Welcome to Puck Talk CS. I'm Chad alongside Steve and our special guest today, Sean. Sean is part of the Hockey Writers and he joins us to talk about the NHL's newborn franchise, the Seattle Kraken. Sean hosts THR Seattle Kraken podcast, What's Kraken? So Sean, Steve-O, what's Kraken today? What's going on, guys? I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And I am very excited to talk some Kraken hockey. Yeah, we're super thrilled to have you on here, Sean. This is a Seattle Kraken team that has surprised really all of us this season. So we have a, a this is a team we don't really dive deep into. And I'm excited because the listeners here, we have a lot of uh, uh, Canadian teams fan, a lot of teams in the New York area. Uh, so this is really a team that our listeners really don't get a deep dive in. So I'm excited. Let's talk some puck. <laughs> Sean. You're in Vegas right now. You cover the Seattle Kraken for the hockey writers. What's that experience been like? Well, for starters, it's very nice having games on at 7 o'clock instead of 10 o'clock, uh, mm-hmm. for being back on the East Coast. Um, it's, it's really interesting to balance with my work schedule because a lot of the time I'm working during games right now. So I'll have the game on, but I can't put my full attention on it. So it's just a lot of watching – um, I'll watch the games. I always have them on. The t- uh, technical directors are very kind with putting on all of my hockey needs. But definitely watching film is important afterwards, watching a highlight, um, trying to find player deep dives and uh, read, read articles. I'll, I'll look a lot at either The Athletic or uh, NHL.com. Yeah, it's funny. In today's day and age, there's so many outlets out there. And I think that's what's so nice about the hockey writers from just being in contact with you, setting things up here reading through I think what was really nice was the quality so great and I pay for the athletic the reason I started reading it was because I got a one dollar deal like uh cyber monday last year (laughs) it's now back up to the 13 dollars a month right as you know with everything today everything's a la carte so it's like spotify's you know premium is an expense now re- reading athletic art or not even just the athletic, but reading sports articles for professional sports is costly. Now. I think that's, what's so nice about the hockey writers was Steve and I had obviously prep for this. We were reading through and it was so convenient to just be able to read and enjoy it. So I think that's something, especially for the Kraken that they're a team West coast. We're not hearing a lot about them out here on the East coast, even though they're doing so well. So, Sean, what's cracking with the crack in this season? What's your biggest observations so far that have like struck you or were something that you think is the most important thing that we should take away from the crack in this season? Well, first, I just want to apologize if you heard that in the background. That was my uh, wallet crying when you were going about the Spotify and the uh, athletic. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they're, they seem a bit more energized. I feel like there are several times where I think felt like they visibly and I, and I like the eye test as well as obviously you have to go on statistics but they just visibly looked faster they were quicker on pucks they might not have converted on a lot of those chances or even maintained possession but they were getting the pucks quicker and I thought that that was a big change from last year there were times where they almost looked fatigued just trying to figure things out and I think that's what you get when you have 20 something guys coming from 30 30 different systems and having to convert to one um, not a lot of time to get that chemistry in place, but like we could, we could kind of see it with how they've started this season. It helps. They brought in offensive weapons like Andre Burakovsky, Oliver Bjorkstrand, and someone who I, I was thought was very important to add was Justin Schultz. I thought he was very important 
because he provided almost similar to what Mark Giordano provided Vince Dunn in not having to be the guy. Well, in my opinion, Vince Dunn need, did, needed needs to step up to be the guy on the blue line for the Kraken this year. But even if he goes through a slump, Schultz is playing well enough to really bridge that gap, whether it's on the power play or not. He's on pace for 45 points this year, uh, Justin Schultz, which I believe is his best year in a couple of years. So a lot of it's just they seem more energized. And that might have helped. You also have to factor in the human aspect. You know, these aren't just guys coming and joining a new team, new system. They're, they're moving their lives to Seattle. I mean, maybe they got house for their kids and families. Maybe they're like me and, and they're doing the distance thing, which does take a toll. So a year now, or a year next, excuse me, now in year two, they're probably a lot more comfortable and it allows them to really, you know, they've had a full year with the system and they can really dig in and, and find their way to play within the system, play your own game within the new system. Now, you mentioned a few players now, and when it comes to guys on the Kraken this year, there's a lot of noteworthy performances to why the Kraken are sitting third in the Pacific right now, currently holding a playoff spot. And I think you pointed out one guy in one of your articles recently, and that's Jordan Eberle. And he's really contributed a lot to this team up to the season right now at this point. When you mentioned in one of your articles that when the Kraken took him from the Islanders back in the expansion, you weren't really a big fan of that pick. Now he's sitting with eight goals, 25 points uh, up to the season at this point. What has contributed to his pace of play this season? Because he's playing really well up to this point. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it's the line mates he's playing with. Um, I don't have that offhand. I know I had it in the article there. Um, in terms of just making the uh, having the most up-to-date numbers on ice time. I think, you know, playing with younger guys is helping energize him. He's definitely getting older, and that was one of my things when they did take him. I thought that this wasn't going to be similar to the Vegas Golden Knights just creating a juggernaut of a team off the hop. And I wanted them to go young and get draft picks. And to their credit, they did that. But, you know, we've seen a lot of players in this league who – I always remember Sidney Crosby was playing with James Neal and Chris Kunitz. And I know it wasn't for like a super long amount of time, but those guys moved on and Crosby's still playing. He's playing with younger talent. Granted, Sidney Crosby, Sidney Crosby, but conceptually you infuse younger talent with your older players and it's going to, it's going to make them play better. Maybe Everly doesn't have to be the guy first guy in with all the wheels when you got someone like Maddie Veneers who can also handle it at both ends of the ice. Um, and I think that it, it, it takes a lot of pressure off older guys to play young and lets them continue to play their game, but find their, find their niche in a way, in a, new, in a new niche in a way. Yeah, just to put some numbers on what you said before quickly, Schultz right now is at 17 points. His highest offensive total was 51 with Pittsburgh in 78 games. But the last few seasons ranked just above that. So he's at 17 points in 30 games. 21-22, he had 23 points in 74. And 2021, the bubble year, he had 27 and only three goals. So he's already reached that total for those two seasons uh, of play in a limited amount of games you know 30 games he's about halfway through the season and he's already reaching those totals from the last two seasons and 
according to daily faceoff as you mentioned sean like he's playing with veneers and mccann so everybody's getting some top line minutes and i recall in the bubble playoff when the islanders played the tampa bay lightning something that was a criticism of Everlay was that he was missing on major opportunities. Has he been able to capitalize and convert more? Um, I mean, his goal total is, is maybe not where you would want it to be from someone who I feel like has been pegged a sniper, mm-hmm. but I mean, based on his assist total, if he's not converting, he's distributing. And when you have a, a winger like Jared McCann, Everly's Everly. He, we, we saw what he did at the world juniors. Granted he was young. He's, he's been good at finding the net, but you know, McCann's got the age too. And it's another option. It's, it's really allowing him to become more of a playmaker on that line, which I think could help as you know, you get older and you slow down a bit, just natural. It's that prototypical sniper playmaker two way forward. And I think that's part of what allows the team to be, or to the line to have had this much success. I'm pretty sure um, got the stats right here. They're, they're all plus players as well. So that's just a testament to their defensive responsibility. I know some people don't like plus minus. Yeah. Like, I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy plus minus. Um, but I think that that's kind of allowed him to, as I kind of touched upon change his role a little bit. And I mean, if he's not the guy putting in the back of the net, 17 assists as he's finding someone. Mm-hmm. And both his line mates are in double digit goals. Uh, <clears throat> Maddie Beniers for Calder. <clears throat> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I think that definitely helps him. And honestly, he's got a couple of years left. It, it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening because if he slows down, but still performs decently, he could still have a spot on this team once his contract's up. Yeah. Now we're talking about Schultz and Eberlay. And you did mention Matty Beneers and the likes of that infusion of younger players and veteran players, how they're growing a little bit slower than Vegas by design from Ron Francis, who's at the helm. With this team, there's so many players up and down the lineup that contribute. But if you were to pick one unsung hero on the roster, who would it be? That's tough because at this point, I think Daniel Sprong might be more of a publicized hero, but in terms of people who you probably didn't expect to make as much of an impact, I'm going to go with him. I'm completely blown away. I remember him from the video games as just being a player who would never grow. Um, he bounced. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big, uh, big GM mode guy. on. It. Yeah. Arm, armchair <laughs> GM type. Like, <laughs> no, I hear you. If only I could turn that one into reality. Right. But <laughs> One day, but not he, I, I wrote some notes down for this. And my first note for Daniel Sprong was my goodness. You know, he's on pace for 30 <laughs> points, over 50 points. It's, it's the case of a player who needed to move around to find the right fit. You know, I, I'm going to just use myself as comparison. I am a ball hockey player more than anything, but just being with different guys, having played on different teams. When I was up at Quinnipiac, I played the league in Plainville. Loved it. I was on four different teams. And you could see, I could feel the difference in my performance based on how I was playing. Mm -hmm. And it's accentuated at the NHL level, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it was a matter of finding the right fit and opportunity for him. And he's had the shot. It's just a matter of finally being able to bury it. And he's finishing on his chances. Um, as I said, I, I do watch some, some film and, and there were a couple of nice passes from, uh, Brandon Tanev down there. 
And uh, it, it goes into something we talked about off air. The craft can have four lines that could score and play physical, um, especially their bottom six. You got Yanni Gord in your bottom six and Brandon Tanner, Daniel Sprong. That's a, that's some offensive opportunity from guys who could also play physically. Yeah, I think uh, with the Kraken, as you mentioned, that that combo of the speed, right? The speed of the game is what they talk about the last few drafts. It's not really about the skill as much as how fast can they convert their skill into playmaking opportunities. Aside from a player like Maddie Beniers, who's had an instant impact, maybe an unsung hero and a Daniel Sprung on that fourth line with 10 goals, right? Getting goals up and down the lineup. Shane Wright, he's been kind of a narrative since the, the draft because he quote unquote fell in the draft. Maybe stares down Montreal, maybe doesn't. Scores his first NHL goal, had the AHL stint. Now he's in the World Juniors on a Canadian team that just lost to Czechia in their opening game. Besides Shane Wright, who's had so much attention on him, what other prospects should we be aware of? Interesting question. I've been really high on Riker Evans. Um, Part of my uh, defenseman who was, I believe, with Regina last year, he's playing with Coachella Valley right now. I was very much... Uh, in the off season when I was really on the Vince Dunn needs to step up or be traded train, which I have since issued a mea culpa for to a degree. <laughs> and I think that my thought process was that Evans is that next guy. Um, I do have to give some honorable mention to Jagger Furcus. Um, that kid's got, that kid's going to be very fun to watch coming up. I think that the Kraken are in an interesting opportunity because of guys like that to where, you can bring in a Bjorkstrand, a Burakovsky for the long term. And it extends, uh, maybe that's the wrong word. It shaved a year off their rebuild, which will allow when the team, if the team makes the playoffs this year, you're playing with house money. The mm-hmm. team, every team's goal is to win the Stanley Cup, yes. But the team's goal should be to be playing competitive hockey down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And to me, if they're doing that, that's one year off the build. Now, if they're doing that now, one year from now, let's say that they're in the playoffs. Two years from now is when I think several of these guys will be ready to make the jump, whether it's potentially Yanni Neiman, uh, Nyman, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, Jagger Furcus, um, Riker Evans, as I said, and even Shane Wright, who we, we can touch on the development if you want. It's, uh, I have a couple thoughts on that. You know, I think that these guys will be coming up when it's a very opportune time for them. I don't think that they'll be coming up on a sub 500 or a borderline 500 team. They'll be coming up on a hockey team that's ready to compete. It might not, I'm not going to say they're going to win the Stanley cup in those subsequent years, but even a first or second round playoff loss with a young team is going to get them the experience they need to make those, those take those steps and push for a Stanley cup. It's, it's a longer term plan that got a little bit shorter because of how things have gone this off season, this past off season. Yeah. And I think we, we talk about, right. Like I recall during the pandemic when they announced the team's logo and it's kind of crazy to think that they're already competing. I think what is shocking is that with the Vegas golden Knights, they had that surprise run, a marquee player in Mark Andre Fleury, 
pretty good market. It's why the NHL went there in terms of revenue. But that's something with Seattle as well is their their revenue numbers are so amazing. And the last season, they weren't a team that floored you. They weren't a team that came into the league. And as you mentioned, like get into the playoffs or playing with house money because maybe you start attracting free agents. I think Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand going there is a sign that players will want to play there and build with the team. Now we're talking year two. I think it's insane that this is the second year and they could be in the post season. So Sean, you've written about Shane Wright in some of your deep dives and some of your player profiles. What are your thoughts on how that's development has gone under one of the greatest NHL centers of all time in Ron Francis and the franchise he's building? All right. So I have a couple of thoughts on, on this and I feel like it's a general what's happening to Shane Wright is a bit of a general concept that I've been seeing. It's the Connor McDavid and the Austin Matthews effect, you know, top overall players are going to step in and have success in the NHL. And I use the Rangers as an example because that's, you know, the team I grew up watching. Lexi Lafreniere, Capo Caco should never have played in the NHL the first year that they did. They absolutely should not have. Caco especially, and I think we're seeing that now. It's different for him coming from European ice to the North American game. Yes. But just because you're, you know, top three, top five doesn't mean you should be walking into the NHL. And it doesn't necessarily even mean I think you, you can allow them to get that first nine games before I believe it's nine before the contract hits. Yeah. It's nine games. Yeah. But you, you can't waste their time for months on the bench. And if you're going to bring them, don't play them less than 10 minutes a game. I think Wright only got one game where it was over 10 minutes. Right. And I think that he's young enough, 18 years old. Plus they did send him back to the world juniors. I believe from last I've heard on such as the uh, 32 thoughts podcast last I heard they were trying to implement a trade in um, his junior league for that. And I think it's good if they let him go for the rest of the year. Um, He's got eight games played. Do you really want to bring him back for one more? If you're really going to play him eight minutes a game, I don't think that's worth it. And I think that that's a detriment to the team. You know, Mm -hmm. it's different when you got guys on the bottom six playing double digit minutes because of special teams than if it's just eight minutes of five on five and you're done for the night, you know, and, and I don't think that's going to help him at all. Granted, he is still 18, um, just soon to be 19. Happy almost birthday, Shane, <laughs> first name basis. But um, <laughs> I, I think he'll be fine. I think it's good that he's playing in the world juniors, which is something Lafreniere should have done. I think. Hey, Alexa, stop. I'm so sorry about that. No yeah, problem. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you heard that, but I said a reminder that uh, USA was going to be playing in a little bit for the <laughs> juniors, so apologies. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be fine. He is a plus four considering his ice time. I think it'd be really easy to be a dash six at that point, but they just need we're, we're seeing how the Kraken are going to develop players. Like we, we didn't get to see it as much last year because they were sharing a farm team, the Charlotte checkers. We're going to get to see over this year and next year, really the next couple of years, how this team can develop prospects. And if they can elevate players to the potential that we've seen throughout 
their junior or you know international career. Shane Wright was granted exceptional status. So two points in eight games, I'm taking that a bit with a grain of salt because there's so much time left for him to grow. He's a kid. Yeah, he's 18. Yeah, he's 18, right? And as you mentioned before, just to add, he played against Minnesota on November 3rd, 13 minutes, and December 6th against Montreal, where he scored his first career NHL goal, 11 minutes. And everything aside from that was sub nine minutes. So about 10 shifts a game, right? And Shane Wright. And I think what's interesting to see is you mentioned New York. We see with New Jersey how they've developed. And I think we talked to the Curfew Boys, which is a Montreal Canadiens podcast group. And they discussed how Kirby Doc has looked a lot different than what they anticipated coming over from Chicago. Now he's finding success in Montreal. Some of it really just has to do with, I think, for Seattle, figuring out like, how are we developing players? And I think it's really interesting because a lot of these franchises have long-standing histories with player development mm-hmm. over the maybe early 2000s right when these when the NHL draft started to really become a highlight I think later 90s mid 90s to you know now it's really a show right like it's where you oh, yeah. most teams try and build through the draft I don't think like you're saying Shane Wright you know lost that potential mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of like what's going on with Seattle like you mentioned that they shared a farm team in with uh, the Charlotte Checkers, I I didn't know that. And I think it's something that's notable because at the face value, we're just seeing Instagram and Twitter, like Shane Wright only played six minutes tonight. Mm -hmm. We're not seeing the other side of things, which is that, you know, not everything that a new franchise is going to do is going to just be perfect off the bat. And I think it's notable too, because Vegas came in, they had kind of that team of misfit toys that had a miracle run. And then because of that, they were able to attract free agents. So all of a sudden, from the top down, they were acquiring players that had developed already. And, you know, Alex Petrangelo was in St. Louis before the 2010s. Whereas these players like Shane Wright are coming in and they're really high school age phenoms. So I do think it is interesting to see how Seattle is going to go about that and uh, what their what their development system is. Steve, do you have uh, do you have anything to add to uh, in terms of like development or or specific players? Yeah, I think Sean, what you said is going to be so important. It's going to be Seattle's still kind of working this out, and it's going to work. It's not we're not going to have an answer today. It's going to be kind of over the course of the next two three years. And I think it's note uh, it's interesting to note that uh, they did send Shane Wright down to the AHL. And during his conditioning, he did have four goals within five games. And he actually looked really well. I did catch some of those highlights before he was back promoted to the NHL. So I'm really interested to see what they do uh, for the rest of the season with him. I think it was, I, I think it was something crazy, like four goals on 11 shots or something like with a crazy high shooting percentage. I don't have mm. the record in front of me. But one of the problems also with Shane Wright on the Kraken right now is they just have too many centers, which is partially why he was not getting a lot of ice time. I mean, as of their last game, according to Daily Faceoff, it was Beniers, Wenberg, Gordon, Geeky down the middle. Then you got Donato, who could play center. You got McCann, who could play center, though I'm preaching to put him on the wing since they took him. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, even on hockey DV, Schwartz is listed as a center, though. I feel like I've always seen him as a winger, but that could just be me. Not I've always thought he was a winger as well. Left wing, I was always under that impression. But still, you have guys who could play center, and then you have four centers. And I don't think they want to bump Geeky from the lineup right now. I think he's having a decent year relative to what he can be. And he's a plus 16. He leads the team. You know, and that fourth line, as we said, you know, Tanner, we talked about off air, my guy. And um, <laughs> like that fourth line is clicking. So realistically, even I'm going to reference the video game again. I try to play it realistically. I, I'm like, where am I going to put him in the lineup? Because you don't want to take one of those centers out. And at this point, I wouldn't mess with something that's not broken. It's all the more reason to just put him where he can play. And it's a good, good, good thing that the World Juniors is upon us now. It's because he gets that top ice time. He gets to showcase to all the doubters and prove to the th- four, three teams that passed on him, hey, I still got it. I never lost it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is funny how quickly I think the internet age also has affected the NHL draft is how we're, how we're seeing these players come out. And we saw Cole Caulfield kind of take that center stage when the Montreal Canadiens went on their cup run in the bubble and the following season, he had a few Laval Rockets uh, AHL conditioning stints and was down there for a little while, and he was taking flack. I think we're conditioned and used to the American system here. You know, we're both we're, we're all in, in the states here. How we're used to seeing college and college football basketball programs, the players become ready through those systems. And they may take time on practice squad or whatnot or, or take time to develop, but they're pretty much conditioned for the game, for the NFL, for the now, you know NBA. Whereas I think with the NHL, there's so many avenues to reach that level, yet the, the skill level is so much higher. And I think it's, it also speaks to the fact that the crack in this season are now competing. If, Maybe they aren't competing. You might say, all right, you know, you you bring up uh, Shane Wright, maybe give him a few good looks. But also, do you want to bring him into a culture that's not winning? So I think there's there's a lot to say that uh, to the fact that he isn't in the NHL right now. He has this World Juniors opportunity. And as you mentioned, it's another world stage. Like you literally just had your alarm go off because everybody wants to watch these games. Everybody's paying attention to every player that's playing in these World Juniors and everything connects back to how can they come into the NHL and, and affect the, the national hockey league and what teams they can play for or contribute for. You know, I actually want to touch upon something you, you just mentioned with social media. We're as a society conditioned for instant gratification because of social media. Now that's why I think that, you know, the hockey communities can be very quick to label players as busts. They'll only even get me started on my group chat and how they feel about Kako or Laugh or a bunch mm-hmm. of younger players, but you have someone like Jimmy VC, right? Again, yeah, his reference sign with the Rangers, um, Hobie Baker winner, just never really took off the way he did in college. Mm-hmm. Happened, he changed his game, he's come back to the team, he's playing. I think I've seen him on the first line, but he's bounced around a bit, and I've seen him kill, he's kill, he'll kill penalties, he's changed his game to stay in the league. Now, mm-hmm. relative to the expectations, is he a bust? 
could make that argument, yes. But the fact that he's still in the league because he had the ability and the dedication and the willingness to change his game, you know, if the Rangers make a cup run with Jimmy VC on their third or fourth line, putting up five points in 26 games and, you know, the penalty kill is popping off, maybe, maybe in some secondary power play time, God forbid injuries. Is he really a bust in that situation? So, and I think a lot of that is due to social media and that even trickles into all aspects of life that we we don't even need to get into. (laughs) Yeah, no, I certainly agree. And I think part of that is also because you see Maddie Beniers just step in and I mean, he's a weapon. I know Steve was a big fan of Beniers as well. Like he, every time we do like a, our fantasy wire, like who to pick up in fantasy on the waiver wire. Beniers was always on the waiver wire earlier on in the season. And he had that crazy nine game stint. What has it been like covering a player like Beniers, who's had an instant impact out of development programs and out of Michigan, one of the top pro, you know, college programs, NCAA programs in the country. It's been a lot of fun. I was so hyped to see this kid get drafted by the Kraken because I knew I'd have a chance to watch him a lot more closely. Um, he really is the full package. He's captain material. I've, I've been on that train for a while. Um, I think that he's also a bit of that kind of what I mentioned before. He's, he's kind of looked at in that McDavid, um, Matthews light in the sense of they're going to, they're able to step in and pr- produce. Now he's not going to be a McDavid or a Matthews because that's just not his style of play. You know, he, he could be the defensive anchor of a line and put up 50, 60 points. Mm-hmm. And I think that eventually Shane Wright could be the guy to surpass him in point scoring season after season. But you have a defensive anchor that you can rely on in the final 30 seconds of a playoff game. Um, and I think that makes him a lot of fun to watch. And I, I was messaging uh, Adam Curzonblatt. He's a, he's a member of the Kraken team at the Hockey Riders. I just feel like there were times where he just looked even noticeably faster from when I'd watched him maybe in that, you know, stint last year. And I found that really impressive and just shows how much he's able to grow. And he has a lot more room to grow. Um, They got a, he, they got time, but they got to lock him up long-term when they get the chance. I just, based on just hearing him in some interviews I don't think he'd be looking for a bridge and, and looking to move on especially if the team is good and they do have time so that's that's another good thing but he's the he'll be the face of this team he'll be the captain of this team one day and could be the captain of some team USA one day honestly um, whether it's you know World Cup of Hockey, if that comes back, uh, World Championship. Uh, I can't believe that it took me a second to remember the Olympics. I should have mentioned that one off the hop. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Ryan Donato, Olympian, right? He was like a big storyline for the Olympics a few years back, too. And now he's a Seattle crack. First, first goal ever scored by a Kraken player, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think what's interesting to see, too, with this Kraken team is we're starting to see you mentioned Bjork Schramberkowski coming in, the drafting and now impacted Matty Beniers. Like it's been a very quick development, but in a different, in a different way than Vegas, mm-hmm. which I think is obviously the quickest comparison because 
of how recent they expanded to Vegas and the, the instant success they've had. Yeah. And um, I think it's interesting that they're able to have that success considering their highest uh, save percentage among goalies is 900. And that's from Joey Decord, who finally got his first win in his only game this season. So that's, I'd be curious to see exactly where this team would be if the goaltending numbers were a bit better. Um, Mm. Jones has an 888 and Grubauer has an 882 save percentage, both hovering around three goals against per game. Jones at 299 and Grubie at 330. I've been hard on Philip Grubauer for a while. I think it's a bit fair to say at this point that his Vezina nomination was padded by the team he was on. Mm -hmm. But and you know, dealing with some injury. Jones, I, I already apologized to him for just completely writing him off. I was really hoping the team would go for Charlie Lindgren, who's playing well in Washington right now for the Caps. But I would be curious to see if the goaltending numbers were better, what this team's record would be. Because their their scoring is pretty deep, even their defensive scoring. I mean, Jamie Alexiak, who you don't have to ask this guy to score goals or put up you know points that's not you you don't sign jamie alexiak for point production he's got (laughs) four goals yeah loves loves a slap shot as well and now they're even adding eli told ellie excuse me if i mispronounced that but tolvin and from nashville Mm -hmm. to the lineup and he's also got a heck of a slap shot Mm -hmm. so let alone you know off the rush so they they keep adding offensive weapons and even if you don't get a point per game scorer like Burakovsky's got 28 and 32 he's their leading scorer I think I'd almost rather it be a very deep team offensively mm-hmm. have that you know they got four ten uh double digit goal scorers right now and Sprong's done that in 25 games yeah well, and I think you saw uh, oh sorry Steve I was just gonna Go add uh, that with the with the LA Kings last year you saw they had a little bit of difficulty in net but really deep team and they take the Edmonton Oilers to seven games so that's kind of one of those teams that I I think is has rebuilt and players like Gabe Velarde are starting to contribute granted they had some veterans that had won the cup that had stayed for a long time but a little bit weaker on the goaltending kept games and they were able to compete with two of the best players in the league in Edmonton now we've talked a lot about Edmonton and their you know, we could get into that whole rabbit hole, but I just think it it speaks to how Seattle's built their roster and where they can go. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> nah, you're all good. I like that comparison with the Kings. I think, listen, if the Kraken sneak into the playoffs this year, there's a lot of similarities to that Kings team last season. Um, but you mentioned the goaltending. I was going to bring that up. But listen, Sean, as we enter the new year, that trade, di- trade deadline is approaching, lingering, coming closer. Kraken hanging there in the Pacific. What are some potential areas where the Kraken can look to improve? Also, what are some, what are the weakest points on the team right now? Is it that goaltending? Because again, you mentioned earlier that offense has been pretty solid. They've been pinning, pinning up some really good numbers, big numbers. So speak to that question. What do you think is the weakest point of this team and where can they improve? You know, you mentioned the trade deadline and it, that depends on the team's standing in terms of their skaters. Um, I will definitely get to goaltending in a second. But I, I look at this team and 
are they the Colorado Avalanche, the Tampa Bay Lightning? No, they don't have that, that firepower, but what they do have, they're finding success with. And I'm a very, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of guy. And I'm looking at their lineup and I don't necessarily know who I would want to move depending on the fit. Like, I don't even know where they're going to put Tolvin in it, the lineup now. I mean, maybe it was a Donato sprung or a geeky, but Donato just came off a goal scoring streak. If you know, sprung is just being sprung right now. And, you know, a Morgan geeky, you want to let this guy continue to develop. He's getting a bit older. I think he's technically speaking out of prospect um, parameters and on the back end, Will Borgen has 10 points and he was kind of like that flex guy. He, I loved that he fought and he earned a spot last year, whether it was blocking shots, hitting guys. So in terms of skaters, I think you'd really need to, it would have to be like a really impactful player. I don't think they'd be looking to bring in someone for a depth role right now. And goaltending is the real red flag. I feel I'm a very big loyalty person, even if it doesn't make sense. So maybe that's why I'm not a GM in the NHL. Or <laughs> I can't win cups in the video game. But, you know, Martin Jones really stepped up in a, in a spot when I did not have much faith in him. Like, I, I at that point, I was thinking, give Joey Decord the ice time he deserves because if it's anything like last year, they'll bring him up, he'll ride the bench, and he'll just be sitting there, which does nothing for him. Um, Grubauer has, I believe, a, either a full or a modified no-trade clause in his contract. So that in the cap hit, you're not going to move him. So it's really difficult to improve on the goaltending from external sources. They really, really need to find a way to help their goaltenders elevate their play, even if it's just a couple points up. I'm not saying I need a 926, 927. Get to 900, you know, get 906, get a 910 if you can. Goals against averages, they're not the prettiest, but right now the team is scoring more goals for per game than against. 3.53 goals per game to 3.22 against. So they're getting goal support, but if they could find a way to logically improve on the goaltending, I'm sorry, Philip Grubauer, but that would be the guy at this point. Now, I am a little apprehensive due to the, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, the age. You know, Grubauer is a couple years younger than Jones. And Jones, I believe he's one-year contract. He's definitely a temporary option. But you also have Chris Drieger. You know, you have him still out with injury. Um, what happens when he comes back? Because by my estimation right now, Jones is the goaltender you should be rolling with. And he's the guy who I think they most, you know, 23 to 11 starts or games played. I know Grubauer was injured, but the record speaks for it. 14, five and three to three, five and one, one shutout to none. Higher save percentage, lower goals against. Now they could pull a New York Rangers and roll three goalies for a little bit there, but it's tough to get a guy in rhythm especially if you're doing a 1A, 1B, if you add a C to it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, Dave Haxtell is going to have to figure out. I have a bit more confidence in him this year. I'm saying that very strained because of the, the right situation. Mm -hmm. um, 
but that that's going to be something that they're going to have to figure out though. I believe they have time. Um, I don't exactly remember what month it was that Jerija got injured, but ACL, you're not going to really can't yeah. rush back from that unless you're superhuman. Like mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Oh yeah. McDavid when he hurt his knee. Yeah. Or Jamar chase. <laughs> Jamar, yeah. They, yeah. yeah. Oh wait, I still lost bad. <laughs> a lot of injuries for me this year in fantasy, but Jamar Chase was he he did some solid work for the boys. Yeah, he is Jamar Chase is the guy. And I think honestly, the, the Kraken are a team that now that they're on the map, everyone who's listening to our listeners, you'll have to watch out for and uh continue to watch out for. Sean has his podcast what's cracking that's on spotify i gave that a little bit of a listen before get my seattle Kraken fix see what's going on with them and he's also contributing four prints for four articles a month for the hockey writers so i think this is a great way for our fans to give a look and see what's going on with seattle further from our podcast today and further down the road as the season goes on because There'll be a team that if they're in the playoff hunt, everybody loves to know what's going on when teams are pushing for the playoffs. I mean, last season we saw Vancouver, Dallas, Nashville all battling for that final wild card spot, Vegas. And the Seattle Kraken could be that team this year. You know, I just want to add uh, something really quick. Um, 31st in the NHL in penalty killing at 68.9%. And 30th in the NHL with a 45.5 faceoff percentage. I'm calling that out. You need to be better. I mm. think, and I didn't, I need to look into a couple stats for an article or two I have coming up in terms of zone start percentage. But if you're losing, you know, more than half your draws and a lot of those are coming in the offensive zone, it's a lot harder to get things going. And there's a lot less time to get things going with if you have to get the puck back just to move it out. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something I think that everyone should keep an eye on. Oh God, their penalty killing is egregious. <laughs> I love that word, but uh, that it's especially when goaltending is not doing as well as it needs to be. It's just like shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, especially with Kubauer in there. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, just just one, one one quick thing I just want to mention um, the podcast. Uh, the season started up right as literally right as I was moving across the country and just due to my work hours, we haven't been able to connect on the podcast. So for now it's mostly just the writing. Uh, that's my bad. I should have conveyed that. So, but definitely listen to some older episodes. The, the hockey writers podcast network has a lot of different shows. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure a lot of fans will find something they would like, especially the prospect corner. I, I tend to listen to that, especially leading up to the draft when I start doing, um, you know, covering some prospects, looking to make it into the show. So definitely think prospect corner is a good spot to look. Yeah, Sean, you're contributing so much, which is great to see. I think uh, it's also something that for someone who has no idea what's going on with Seattle, it's, again, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, great way to access. All the links are below. So be sure to check out all of Sean's link. I, I have your Twitter. He's an active tweeter. That's how we connected. Uh, he's also great with connecting. I thought that was the best thing was that for everyone we've had on the show, they were so great with communicating and connecting. So be feel, you know, feel free to reach out to him there on Twitter, the podcast, the podcast network, the links down below for that and his 
author page is connected because on the author page, all of Sean's articles will be posted there on the hockey writers. So that's where you can see everything coming in, nothing else in between. But if you do want to look for other things, you know, feel free as well. Yeah, Sean, thanks for joining us here. It's been a pleasure. Great talking to you. Listen, we might have to have you back on if the crack can make some noise and and they can hold on here in the Pacific later on. We'll see what happens in 2023. I think they'll be making a splash. And and as I said, even if they don't, I think they're in a good spot. So coming up in the offseason, I think we'll have some good stuff to talk about. I appreciate you guys having me. This has been real nice. It's been a real fun time. All right. Thanks for joining us here today. Always remember, it's just the luck of the puck.